Welcome to Weekly Wisdom from Jubilee Circle. We teach the common wisdom of love and unity that is found in all mainstream religions, metaphysical teachings, mysticism, and inspired secular and religious writers and teachers throughout the ages. Our goal is to help you connect with your higher divine self and transform from the inside out so you can become a force for love and transformation in the world. Each week, we bring you wisdom from our founding spiritual director, Reverend Candace Shalou, and other guest speakers. We hope you enjoy this week's words of wisdom. So there's a classic joke of a man uh, that is told to the guy who is trapped on his roof during a flood, and he prays to God, oh God, God, save me, save me, save me. And so I, just as that, that prayer escapes from his lips, two guys come up in a boat and they're like, get in the boat. And the guy goes, no, no, God will save me. And the guys are like, okay, so they leave. And meanwhile, the water is continuing to rise. It's coming up to his feet and co- starting to cover his legs. And he's like, God, save me, yelling again. And suddenly a helicopter appears in the sky. A basket starts to descend. So he can get in and be saved and he waves the copter off he says no 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 god will save me finally the water rises and covers him and he drowns and he gets to heaven and he looks at god and he says why didn't you save me and god says well i sent a boat and i sent a helicopter what more do you want advent is a time of expectant waiting on a savior to be born but in reality surrounded by saviors we are the ones that we have been waiting for jubilance teacher marshall vian summers says do not then pray to jesus the buddha or muhammad to come and restore the world for this is the work of the human family for Jesus, the Buddha, and, the, and Muhammad have greater tasks in the universe. They will not clear the air or purify the waters or restore the soils. They will not replenish the vital resources that have been plundered and wasted as humanity has destroyed the very foundation on which it stands in this world. They will not undo the ravages of war and destitution. This is the work of people in the world. The vital work, the necessary work, the reason you have come to play, you're small but necessary part. Jubilant's love is born into this world through us. Stop waiting for somebody else to make this a better world. We are the boats. We are the helicopters. We provide safety and rescue for one another. And that's a responsibility to this world that ought to make you say, oh yeah. Hear these wise and holy words. From A Course in Miracles, Lesson 161. Give me your blessing, holy child of God, who sees a holy sibling as a body sees them as fear symbol, and he will attack because what he beholds is his own fear external to himself, poised to attack and howling to unite with him again. This do the body's eyes behold in one whom heaven cherishes, the angels love and God created perfect. This is his reality, and in Christ's vision is his loveliness reflected in a form so holy and so beautiful that you could scarce refrain from kneeling at his feet. Yet you will take their hand instead, for you are like them in the sight that sees him thus. Attack on them is enemy to you, for you will not perceive that in their hands is your salvation. Ask him but for this— 
and they will give it to you. Ask him not to symbolize your fear. Would you request that they that love destroy itself, or would you have it be revealed to you and set you free? From Circle of Atonement's Robert Perry, we recognize somewhere inside that we aren't fundamentally different from others. So whatever I decide you are, that automatically decides for me who I am. If I decide you're a sinner, something in me says, well, how different can I really be? So I'm probably a sinner too. But if I decide you're holy, that means I must be holy. And then all the things that come along with that must be true. I must have dignity. I must have worth. I must be beautiful in the truest sense of an inner beauty. I must be innocent. And from the Course's standpoint, that idea that I'm holy, it may sound grandiose. It may sound kind of weird and jarring. But that idea, the Course says, meets our deepest need because it says the core of our pain is our belief that we're guilty. At the core of our pain, according to the Course, is the belief that I have stained myself forever. I'm so unholy. I'm so sinful. I'm so guilty. And so if I accept that you're holy and that stranger is holy and that family member is holy and that person voting for the other side is holy and that prisoner is holy, then after enough of those, I'll start to think, well, how can I be different really? So I must be holy. And then that heals me at the deepest of levels. From St. Patrick's Breastplate Prayer. I arise today through the strength of heaven, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me. Christ in the every ear that hears me, I arise today. When I first arrived in South Carolina, way back in 2003, I began a very important search for a hairdresser. <laughs> Whenever you move to a new place, you gotta find a whole new cadre of people that you can trust with things like your car, your HVAC system, your back, had to find a new chiropractor, and of course, your hair. My partner at the time grew up in Sumter and knew everybody in Sumter from their infancy, so she recommended that I go to her longtime hairdresser, a lovely woman named Sherry. Now, I had been going to Sherry for several months and had been pleased with the results until one fateful day. My friend Sherry was all hot and bothered about a book that she had been reading. Have you heard about this? She asked breathlessly. It's called Left Behind, and it's about Jesus's second coming. I tried really, 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 really hard to keep a poker face <laughs> in front of this very important connection that I had made in my new hometown, but apparently I was not fast enough to keep my eyes from rolling at the mention of the first book in Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series. And she stopped mid-sentence. And in the mirror, I saw her face change from animated friendliness to abject horror. Oh. 
you don't believe Jesus is coming back? She whispered against my blasphemous eye roll. I took a deep breath. It's an awkward moment, people, awkward moment. <laughs> and before I could really think through the ramifications, I heard myself say, Sherry, I believe that Jesus comes back every day, and every single day we kill him all over again. <laughs> you could have heard a hair drop <laughs> onto the floor of that Sumter salon. <laughs> well, I believe he's coming back, she huffed. That was the end of that, as far as she was concerned. She switched to the daily gossip about Sumter's comings and goings, and in about an hour, I left with the worst haircut <laughs> in my entire life. I don't suppose I should have been surprised to come up against the dominant Southern Baptist belief of Jesus' literal, bodily, macho man on a white steed with a fiery sword to slay the infidels return while sitting in a beauty salon in Sumter, South Carolina. <laughs> what did surprise me, though, was that a very Course in Miracles-like reply had escaped from my mouth at that moment, and I had never heard of A Course in Miracles, much less studied it. Sherry might have thought less of me in that moment, but I'll tell you, I never once thought less of her for what she believed. Because I saw myself in those beliefs. I was raised to think exactly that way, to believe in a second coming of Christ who was sent to earth by his Father God to sacrifice his life so we could be washed in his blood and have our sins blotted out so that God could look upon us without wanting to puke from the stench of our original sin. That is the theological claptrap that I had bought into lock, stock, and barrel for a good portion of my life. And I was just beginning to emerge into a different spiritual place on this day, this fateful day, when my hair looked awful. In retrospect, I can see that Sherry did exactly what our reading from A Course in Miracles talks about this morning. As another holy child of God, she blessed me, not just with a bad haircut, but <laughs> she helped me see not just my own divinity, but to see hers as well. I suspect the bad haircut was unintentional at best, unconscious at worst. Perhaps my seeming heretical words hit something within her. Maybe they had moved her in some way on some level, and she was just distracted. As I reflect on those words now, I can see that what I was trying to convey was that Christ comes to us in every moment, not just in the form of a baby in a manger or some macho Jesus coming back on that white steed, but Christ comes to us all the time in every body we see around us. We keep looking up to the sky for something to save us, or we look to a lowly manger for some savior to grow up and make some ultimate sacrifice for us. But that's not how it works, jubilance. We are the ones that we're waiting for. We are each other's saviors. And too often we get caught up in our egoic fear of other people. 
We see them as competition for scarce resources. We see them to be the ones to blame as the, for a world gone mad, for electing government officials that we think seek to oppress us while favoring those that we feel are oppressing us. Just as we perceive their hatred of us for our beliefs or ways of living or ways of doing things, we hate them for the same reasons. And that's because we see them as bodies we see them as something separate from ourselves. The reality is, is that within each body we behold, A Course in Miracles says, there is one whom heaven cherishes. The angels love and God created perfect. This is their reality and in Christ's vision is their loveliness reflected in a form so holy and so beautiful that you could scarce refrain from kneeling at their feet. Jubilance, if we could really see Christ in the other people around us, we would take our shoes off. It's holy ground. We would kneel at their feet if we could truly see their beauty. Everybody is a bodily manger walking around, pregnant with Christ, waiting to be born so it can incarnate in and through each of us as the light of the world. If you could see Christ being born in every person you see or you meet or you think about, the beauty of everyone in Walmart would bring you to your knees. <laughs> Imagine you walk into Walmart and you're like, oh my God, look how beautiful y'all are. They'd take you out, but you know. <laughs> uh, security? So maybe don't do it out loud, but... <laughs> But Christ is born in every moment in this world and every minute we kill him all over again with our grievances, with our judgments, with our disinterest, with our disregard. But if we can begin to see the birth of Christ in the world within everyone, and especially maybe those we view as the most despicable among us, that's where we find we can no longer ask anyone to symbolize our fear, as A Course in Miracles says. Would you request that love destroy itself, of course, asks, or would you have it be revealed to you and set you free? <coughs> I invite you this morning, Jubilant, stop looking to the sky for a savior. Stop looking in a manger for a savior. Instead, just look into somebody else's eyes because that's where Christ is in every moment. Breathe deep. Author and course teacher Marianne Williamson talks about using this slogan from this lesson this morning, Give Me Your Blessing, Holy Child of God. She used this slogan one morning as she turned on the television and was met with then-President George W. Bush giving a speech. She had not supported him in his election. She was struggling with her feelings of grievance and revulsion at the sight of him, she said. But she repeated this line, Give Me Your Blessing, Holy Child of God. Give me your blessing, holy child of God, until she could feel her heart soften for old W. And that is the trick of this lesson, to stop looking at someone through the lens of grievance and judgment and instead use the lens of Christ's vision. When we look at others through the lens of our ego's idea of separation and specialness, we fall into that trap of original sin, which is everybody's, that's the ego's favorite doctrine, it loves it. As Circle of Atonement founder Robert Perry says, though, we recognize somewhere inside that we aren't fundamentally different from others. 
So whatever I decide that you are, that automatically decides for me who I am. So if I decide you're a sinner, something in me says, well, how different can I really be? So I must be a sinner too. And this is exactly how we justify the madness of this world. We see our commonality in a perceived sinfulness, an original sin, instead of the ultimate reality of our holiness, which is our original blessing. And that's what this lesson is asking us to practice, to see that blessing in everyone, to receive it from everyone, from those we perceive to be the holiest and from those we perceive to be the most evil. They can offer to us a chance to remember our divinity that we all share. If we can see divinity in everyone around us, then we begin to believe that spark must be in us too, that tiny holy infant that awaits to be born in our own heart and mind. And from a course's standpoint, Perry says, the idea that I'm holy, it may sound grandiose, it may sound kind of weird and jarring, but that idea, the Course says, meets our deepest need because it says the core of our pain is our belief that we're guilty. And he continues, and if so, if I can accept that you are holy and that stranger is holy and that family member is holy and that person voting for the other side is holy and that prisoner is holy, then after enough of those I start to think, well, how can I be different, really? So I must be holy. And that heals me at the deepest of levels. Did you know that George W. Bush never wanted to be president? Do you know what his passion truly is? Baseball. His passion, his deepest desire was to be a professional baseball player. Barring that, his dream was to own a professional baseball franchise. And he was, for a time, part owner in the Texas Rangers. But imagine for a moment if old W had been able to fully pursue the thing that made him come alive instead of being f pressured by the family, following daddy's footsteps and run for office. When I think of the life of joy that, that Bush could have had in his chosen profession and the pressures he faced to conform to a family expectation, I can find a sense of compassion for him. And through that, I can allow him to bless me by showing me his original blessing. We all get caught up in the ego and we get off the path of our true desires. Everyone's jubilant. Everyone is pregnant with a holy child, waiting to be born within, to be nurtured, to be allowed to grow into the force for good in this world that wants to emerge from them. But what happens? Well, the ego happens. The ego convinces us that we're separate, that we're stained with some original guilt or sin that denies us the ability to live into that higher divine self. The ego convinces us so thoroughly of our own guilt that we have to invent gods in the sky that will swoop down and save us and damn all the others who don't think or believe like us. That's the ego's world. It's one of suffering. It's one of competition and despair and guilt and endless rounds of seeking for joy and peace and love and never truly finding it. Not really a lasting version of it anyway. But I want to give you good news this Christmas season. We are all pregnant with divinity. 
just waiting to emerge within us and be projected outward into the world to bless the world, to nurture it, and ultimately to save it. This jubilance is our challenge in the Christmas season. This is not a time when we, when we single out one special baby to celebrate, born in a manger in Bethlehem. This is the season that we celebrate the birth of the Christ within us. The Christ that is born every day. And every day our ego convinces us to kill it. Because we can't allow this love to grow into the force that obliterates its world of suffering and despair. The birth of the Christ within does not mean that we do not work to stop the suffering of this world. As we said in the beginning, that is our work. What it does mean is that we clearly identify what causes the suffering of this world, and that is our deep belief in separation. We can begin to heal that feeling by refusing to see anyone, anyone, as separate. Refusing to see anyone as irredeemable or evil or stupid or wrong or recalcitrant. So let us begin this moment, jubilance, recognizing that our salvation lies in the hands of everyone we meet, everyone we think about, everyone who thinks about us in this moment. We do not go to heaven alone, jubilance. We go hand in hand with every holy sibling in this world. So let us strive to embody that beautiful poem from St. Patrick's breastplate prayer and see Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in my heart, in the heart of everyone who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. As this holy child is born within each of us this season and every season, Helen Shuckman, who was the scribe of A Course in Miracles, writes in her poem, The Holiness of Christmas, that we should bring our gifts to that infant, that infant within, with open hands, and lay before it our doubts, our fears, our sickly pride, as she puts it, our unfaithfulness, and our hidden venom, as she writes. As we bring those gifts to the Christ within us, the doors of heaven will swing wide, and as she writes, the angels sing of peace on earth, for Christmas is the time of your rebirth. I invite you, Jubilance, to stop looking for the Savior out here, whether it's born in a manger or leading some political or religious movement. The Savior of all of us lies within ourselves and within each other. It is that common thread of divinity that saves us, that light within, that inner awareness that we are at one with each other and our Creator. We are all giving birth this season, Jubilance. So let us create a manger of love within our own hearts to welcome that divine infant, to nurture it as it grows within us, and then allow it to go out into the world and accomplish its ministry of healing. Let us also be aware that not everyone is aware that they have a Christ within them trying to be born. Their ongoing labor pains are what cause their suffering. And then they project that outward when that pain of guilt is too hard to bear. 
So instead of raging at the suffering that we see others inflicting on the world, I invite you instead to try to see them as mothers laboring in the pain of a breech birth. You jubilants, you're the midwives. You should see them as mothers laboring, unable <laughs> to bring forth the light that is within them without your blessing, without your compassion, without your light to guide them. They bless us as they allow us to bless them. And we bless them by helping them see the light in themselves and holding that space. This is the blessing we have to give to the world and you can do it. Even if all you ever get in return is a bad haircut. Thank you for joining us for Weekly Wisdom from Jubilee Circle. If you enjoyed the program, we hope that you'll support us by leaving a good review of this podcast wherever you download your shows. We also hope you'll support us in other ways, either by becoming a subscriber to our YouTube channel and our weekly newsletter, or by supporting us financially. You can find out how to do all of that by visiting our website at jubileecircle.com. Many thanks to Audio Coffee from Pixabay for supplying our podcast music. Join us again next week. And until then, take the words of Meister Eckhart with you. If the only prayer you ever say is thank you, that will be enough. We thank you for your time and wish you the kind of week that will leave you saying, oh yeah. Yeah.